Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter 18. Luke 18, we'll look at verses 35 uh, to 42, the very last portion of this chapter this morning. We all, all have heard the old adage, seeing is believing. We also all know that that's not necessarily true. Many people see quite clearly, indeed they've seen and examined conclusive evidence, they still don't believe what the evidence demands. While others have seen little or none of it, and yet they believe the truth nonetheless. So what makes someone see the truth for what it is, and what does it mean to really believe? Those are the issues we encounter in our text this morning. In fact, it's somewhat of an outline of our uh, study. First, we're going to talk about seeing, and then we're going to talk about believing. Let me read the text. Luke 18, verse uh, 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Like I said a moment ago, we have two truths to consider this morning. The first is this. Jesus makes the blind see. Jesus makes the blind see. People sometimes conceive of Jesus as an ancient uh, David Blaine going around doing uh, street magic for the uh, uh, healing people and all for the entertainment of folks. But the signs and wonders that Jesus did, including making the blind to see, were not entertainment for people. In fact, they were much more than power displays. They were even more than a ministry of mercy to needy, hurting people, although they certainly did that. From the beginning of Jesus' ministry, healing the blind was a sign of his messiahship. When he first began his ministry, you recall, in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth, he was handed a scroll to read, and he opened Isaiah 61 and read that, explaining that he is the fulfillment of this passage. He read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. was a sign of who he was. Then later when John the Baptist had questions about whether Jesus was really the promised one, now that he was sitting in prison about to lose his head, Jesus again sent him word authenticating himself by such miracles as the healing of the blind. Jesus said to his messengers, go and and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, John. 
Once again, Jesus giving sight to this blind man, then in this text, who Mark gives us a name for, his name is Bartimaeus. Jesus giving sight to this blind, blind man must have also been an authenticating sign. So what does it mean that Jesus gives sight to the blind, that Jesus makes the blind see? Well, let me suggest two, uh, two things, two uh, threads of meaning implied there. First, it means that only Jesus can cause us to understand who he is and believe in him. Only Jesus can give us that kind of enlightenment, uh, open the blindness of our hearts and minds to understand who he is and to believe in him. That's the first thing we notice in our text. Blind Bartimaeus sees and understands who Jesus is, though he's blind. He understands he is God's Messiah, the son of David. Note the irony here. A blind beggar, seeing this truth so clearly, when the rest of the crowd who could see was blinded. To them, he was just a man from Nazareth. To Bartimaeus, he was Jesus, son of David, the Messiah, the coming king. In fact, the irony is even deeper than that. The line immediately prior to this talks about the disciples did not understand what Jesus told them told about himself. But this blind man did understand. He understood the identity of Jesus, though he had never seen him before. And so he cried out, Jesus, son of David, meaning Jesus, God's Messiah, God's anointed one, God's king. So how did he know? Who gave him such understanding? Well, Jesus, who reveals and conceals his truth, is the one who makes the blind to see, who enlightens the eyes of the heart to understand and believe. Only God can do that. Now that's the testimony of the whole scripture. The apostle Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. But God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. People are blind, spiritually blind, ignorant. They don't understand. But the same God who said, let light, let there be light, and there was, gives sight to blinded Hearts. This was Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. He prayed, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Jesus is the God who said, let there be light. He alone can cause our blind hearts to see the truth. 
Folks, this is why you don't have to be some great salesman to share the gospel. Just tell people about Jesus. You can't open their blinded hearts, but he can. Jesus is the one who makes the blind to see. But in our text, the blind man was not just given enlightenment. He was not just given understanding of who Jesus was. His eyes were actually opened where he could actually see with his eyes, which is the other thing we need to learn about Jesus making us see. see that only Jesus can save us from sin's curse, its effects. These days we're blessed with modern medical science. What a gift. But it can cause us to be a bit short-sighted. When we see some physical malady, we tend to look only at the immediate treatable causes while forgetting all about the ultimate cause, which only God can treat. Why are people blind? Why is anyone blind? Why is anyone lame? Why is anyone sick or addicted? Why are people liars? Why are people cheaters? Why are people thieves? Well, we tend to focus on environmental causes. Uh, you know, we have diseases. We, we grew up in a, in a bad culture. We, we had a bad father, whatever it might be. But ultimately, all of those things exist because of sin. We live under the curse because of sin. So Jesus giving sight to blind Bartimaeus was not just about the need of his eyes, but it was about the cause of his blindness, that is the need of his soul in a fallen world. In verse 42, we see this, Jesus healed his eyes. He said, receive your sight. And he did. But then Jesus went further and he says, your faith has healed you. Interestingly, the word heal there, the Greek word is sozo, It's a word that's commonly translated saved. Your faith has saved you. Jesus gave sight to his eyes and salvation, deliverance to his life. Jesus isn't just the one who enlightens our minds and opens our hearts. He is God the Savior who, according to Psalm 103, forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. In two profound ways, Jesus makes the blind to see. In the sense that he enlightens us to know and to believe in him. And in the sense that he heals the effects and ultimately the cause of all of our maladies sins curse Jesus makes the blind see but as we've seen so often God's gracious actions require response so here we not only learn about Jesus work and what Jesus is doing from his healing of Bartimaeus but we also learn about that response from the faith of Bartimaeus which brings us to our second major point simply believe Boldly. Believe boldly. We Christians talk about faith all the time. May I suggest we have some crazy ideas about faith? For some, faith has come to mean being passive. The thought of going out and seizing an opportunity 
would be considered a lack of faith by some. No, if God wants me to have something, he's, he will drop it in my lap. An interesting view of faith. Or, or by others, faith is thought to be the opposite of thinking and investigating and knowing. Faith is more kind of a throwing up my hands and saying, I give up, I can't understand. And if you take that view, it's only then a, fall, a small step to say, why even bother trying to know? Just believe. Leap into the dark. That's faith. Or worse yet, some people think faith is just the opposite of doing. We properly speak of being saved by faith, not works. Frankly, sometimes we've gone a little too far with that. We've gone so far that we think working and obeying the Lord might indicate a lack of faith. So we may think ourselves, if we take that view, we may take think of ourselves most filled with faith when we sit on our sofa asking God to do what he told us to do. That's strange faith. But in this account, we not only learn about what Jesus is doing, we also learn about what true faith ought to look like. We see it in the example of the faith of Bartimaeus, who believed boldly. Three ways we see that. Three kinds of bold belief here. First of all, Bartimaeus would not be silenced. He would not be silenced. There are all kinds of reasons why Bartimaeus would naturally have just been kept, would naturally have just kept silent. He, he, he was poor. This was a beggar. Who was he to speak to anyone? He was a beggar. Not only that, he was blind. That made him a social outcast, considered less than everyone else. A blind beggar. He ought to just stay out of the way, right? And then when he did speak, what happened? He got rebuked immediately. So much for his attempted boldness. He, he, was, he was making a nuisance of himself, crying out to Jesus. So people told him, be quiet. Just be quiet. Go back over there and sit down with your tin can or whatever. But Bartimaeus only shouted all the more. He would not be silenced. For he understood who this Jesus was. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He knew that his only hope was with this Jesus. It's bold faith. Dear people, if we're easily silenced, we need to look at what faith really looks like from Bartimaeus. He would not be silenced. Instead, he believed boldly. In the early 1900s, a black Baptist preacher named Charles Price Jones wrote a hymn about this boldness. Let me just read you the first stanza. When pangs of death seized on my soul, unto the Lord I cried, till Jesus came and made me whole, I would not be denied. That's Bartimaeus. He won't shut up, <laughs> believing boldly. Second way that we see is bold faith. Bartimaeus dared to ask the impossible. 
dared to ask the impossible. I've noticed the interesting thing in our society over the years. People get invited to some event at the White House where they have the opportunity to speak with the president. It doesn't matter who's in office, it doesn't matter what president, it happens all the time. When that happens, even the president's most ardent opponents, people who when they were out talking to the press said, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind, I'm going to demand some action on this, I'm going to tell him, set him straight on this. When the time actually comes to talk, they fold. Their boldness wilts. Instead, they make nice and try to be unassuming, and they walk out all smiling with some statement that absolutely means nothing. Now, Bartimaeus is put in such a situation. He's bold in calling out to Jesus. He's bold in standing up against those who would silence him. He would not be silenced even when he was considered out of order. But what would he do if he actually had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus? Well, that's exactly what happened. Jesus stopped and said, bring that blind beggar over here. Now, Bartimaeus had no idea what Jesus wanted. He didn't, for all he knew, Jesus was about to dress him down for causing a disturbance. But Jesus didn't tell him what all he was thinking. He just asked him, what do you want? Now, remember, Bartimaeus had come to believe that this Jesus was... David's son, the coming king, the Messiah. Undoubtedly, he was on his way to Jerusalem to be enthroned. Folks, this is way more intimidating than meeting up with the president in the White House. So who would you have said, if you were Bartimaeus, suddenly you can't see, so you can't read him, you can't see the expression of his face, you're suddenly standing in front of this one that you know to be God's coming king. And he says, what do you want? What would you have said? Oh, well, uh, Jesus, I wondered if you could give me your autograph. <laughs> or, or, or maybe, Jesus, are you really going to be the king? Or, or, or perhaps, oh, I didn't really mean to trouble you. I just I wanted to say it's really nice to meet you. How would you have answered when Jesus said, what would you have me do to you? Well, Bartimaeus believed boldly. Jesus was directing his question. Bartimaeus was directing his answer. Lord, I want to see. No qualifiers. No escape clauses. No way to save face. Just an outrageous request. Straight up. Now that's bold faith, folks. If Bartimaeus asked for something that everyone knew was impossible... You can't just make someone see. Indeed, if Jesus really didn't have the ability to make him see, Bartimaeus just put Jesus on the spot and publicly humiliated him in front of everyone and made a total fool of himself. And even if Jesus did have the power, who are you to ask such a favor? Who are you to know the king's agenda? You don't have any right to make some claim on him like that, let alone an impossible claim. But Bartimaeus believed boldly enough to ask the impossible. What about you? Folks, this is not a hypothetical question. 
more times than we would like to admit, God says to us in his word, ask and you shall receive. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. You have not because you ask not. Now I know all the qualifiers we put on those promises. I, I do it myself all the time. Well, we must ask in accordance with his will. We don't exactly know what his will is. Or, or so we know sometimes his answer is no, and sometimes his answer is wait. He doesn't just give us what we ask. There are all kinds of reasons why God may not do what I think is best. I know all of that. But still, do we really believe enough to boldly ask what is beyond what we think possible? My observation is that we Christians ask God about things, but we always have a plan B that we can take care of ourselves just in case he doesn't come through. We never let ourselves get in a situation where we have absolutely no hope except the Lord. Well, Bartimaeus had no plan B. He was desperate enough to ask the impossible. And Jesus did the impossible in response to his faith. Ron Hutchcraft, who was a colleague of mine over 40 years ago in Chicago, wrote this. Ephesians 3.20 identifies our Lord as, quote, him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Now, I hate to say it, but in light of the kind of king we have and the kind of promises he's made to us, most of our prayers are pretty lame. We come into the throne room from which the universe is governed with our little dear God ditties. You know, dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your many blessings. Forgive our many sins. Help us with our many problems. And bless the many missionaries, whoever they may be. Amen. When's the last time you really believed God for some things that are so big that only God could do them? Or have you been praying you-sized prayers, man-sized prayers, earth-sized prayers? When you pray, take a little time to focus on the God whose awesome presence you have just entered. The one who controls a hundred billion galaxies. Do you pray like that? Let yourself be overwhelmed, not by the size of your problems or your questions, but by the size of your Lord. then pray in ways that are worthy of this great God to whom you're speaking. So it's a good exercise to ask yourself, if Jesus said to you today, as he said to Bartimaeus, what would you have me do to you? What would you say? Well, Lord, I want a new car or a bigger house. How petty. You can buy a new car and build a bigger house. Lord, I want to be wealthy and beautiful. How shallow. That's going to be gone in a flash. 
How about praying something like this? Lord, I want to know the fullness of your Spirit's work in my life no matter what. Lord, I want to be free of the sin that has held me prisoner for the last 20 years. Lord, I want to know true wisdom that I know only comes from you. Lord, I want to be holy. I want to be holy like you are holy. Lord, I want to be useful in your hands. Not just working my job and bringing, paying the bills, but profitable in your kingdom. I want to be so captivated by your grace that I, I extend grace to everyone I speak to. Lord, I want to see people come to Jesus. I want to see your church prosper. Lord, in spite of all my past failures, I want to be faithful. To someday hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, I want your kingdom to come. Lord, I want your will to be done on earth like it's done in heaven. You see, that's asking the impossible. Asking for things only God can do. That's believing boldly. Finally, there's a third expression of Bartimaeus' bold faith. Bartimaeus immediately followed Jesus. Immediately followed Jesus. We have some of the craziest ideas floating around these days. We have this idea that um, what goes on in your personal life doesn't matter. Only what matter, the only thing that matters is what goes on publicly. We have this crazy idea that whether something is actually true or not doesn't matter. It only matters if you believe it's true. Craziness. And, and right up there with those crazy ideas is this notion that you can believe something in your heart without it ever showing up in your behavior. That's craziness. You know it's craziness. Common sense tells us it's craziness. For an example, if somebody ran in the door right now and said, the building's on fire. How could we tell who believed that and who didn't believe that? It's easy. Those who believe, get up and get out. If you don't move, you can say you believe, but we know you don't. So in our text, we see Bartimaeus believing boldly. Jesus said, receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. And he opens his eyes. And what's the first thing he does? He grabs his stuff. He's going down the road with Jesus. Actually, that's not very difficult for us to understand. Bartimaeus believed that Jesus was the Son of God, God's King. And he was. Bartimaeus believed that Jesus could give him sight, and he did. Bartimaeus understood that because of Jesus, his life of begging was now over, and it was. So what might he possibly find more important than following Jesus and being his disciple? Once again, Bartimaeus showed what believing boldly looks like. And what about you? You know that Jesus is God's king. He's been raised from the dead. You know that he has taken away your blindness and given you new life and forgiveness. You know that by his grace he's changed you. So what might you now possibly find more important 
than following Jesus as one of his disciples. That's what believing boldly looks like. In fact, you can say, if you don't follow Jesus, you don't really believe. Two truths to take home. Jesus makes the blind see. He enlightens the eyes of our heart. He heals our diseases. Believe boldly. Believe boldly. One last observation before we wrap it up. You know, no passage of Scripture stands alone. It all has a context. And so this story of the healing of blind Bartimaeus stands in the context of this whole chapter. Most notably, this account of the blind beggar is a wonderful contrast with the account just a few verses previous to this of the rich young ruler. Think about the comparison of the two. The young ruler had everything but walked away spiritually bankrupt. The beggar had nothing and walked away rich toward God. The young ruler was impressed with himself but forfeited God's blessing. The beggar cried out for mercy and was given complete restoration. The rich young ruler walked away sad. In spite of all he had, he walked away sad. The poor blind beggar walked away rejoicing, praising God. The issue this morning is, which of the two are we? Are we those who seek the wealth and status of the young ruler, no matter what it costs us? Are we, are we those who seek the mercy and healing of Jesus, no matter what it costs us? Amen. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the record that we have. Lord, I pray that you would uh, teach us to walk with you. Teach us, Lord, to believe. Teach us to be bold in our faith and to understand who it is that we believe in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.